Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode one of Real Food, Real Conversations, my brand new podcast. I am super excited to start recording this. I've wanted to do this for a really long time, and I'm finally just getting around to it. I've got three kids and one husband and a really old cat, which kept me really busy. But this is something I've wanted to do for a really long time as another way to share with you guys kind of where I'm at with food and mental space and a little bit more about myself. Um, I know that a lot of you know me on Instagram, maybe Facebook, maybe my website, and I'm really hoping that this is a new area where you can get to know me a little bit better, which is really what we're going to talk about today. Um, This episode is going to be titled something about my why. Because ultimately, when it comes down to why I am doing this, why am I doing this podcast, why am I doing my website, why do I spend all this time and effort and energy into sharing everything I do with you guys, it's really based on everything I've been through in the past, my stories, the the things that have happened to me that have made me who I am. And I really, truly believe that all the research that shows that you are a collection of your past, the stories that you build for yourself. um, Those stories come from experiences that you've had. And it's not that the stories um, can never be changed. You really can change. And this is part of what you're going to start learning about me is I am such a different person today than I was. And um, it's amazing. I'm proud of myself. I am excited to see where I'm going to go from here. But let's take a step back and let me tell you a little bit about my journey. Um, I was raised by two um, Greek parents. I'm first generation. I lived in Boston for the first 10 months of my life. My dad was over in Boston doing his postdoctoral degree at Harvard. Yes, he's super smart. Um, And I was born there. And we moved to San Diego right before I turned one when he finished his degree and was able to get a job. And one of the places that offered him a job was the Scripps Institute in La Jolla, California. And of course, you know, why wouldn't you move there? I did not like the cold. Even as a young child, I would turn blue and my mom would freak out thinking there was something wrong. But nope, I was just cold. And to this day, I am a true San Diego, Southern California girl. I am a beach goer. Um, my vacations are more tropical versus the snow. And I absolutely love it here. I went away for college um, up to UC Davis. And I actually lived in Greece for a year during my college time as well. But I ended up back here because this is my home. This is what I love. I love the weather. I love the people. I love everything. Um, so... As I was raised, my mom and dad were both Greek. They were born and raised in Greece. They both came here to America to go to college. And they actually met here and obviously stayed here. And my mom growing up was always the, uh, she worked full time. I was um, raised by two parents who worked full time. She was a computer engineer. My dad was um, a researcher professor at San Diego State University. 
uh, most of my childhood after he left Scripps Institute. That's what he did. And my mom somehow always found the time, even though she was working full time, to cook like amazing meals. So my love of cooking started early, um, having a lot of home cooked stuff. I didn't eat a lot of TV dinners or uh, stuff in a can. I was always intrigued by those things. But as I grew up and started actually tasting them, I realized how gross they were and how lucky I was to get home-baked food. So I always considered myself a pretty healthy person, I guess you can say. But what I found and part of my journey started back when I was in my 20s. Uh, I realized that healthy really doesn't mean a lot in and of itself. Healthy is truly different for every single person. And that has become a big part of my brand. So when I was, I got married when I was 27, I think back in 2000, July 6, 2008. Um, I think I was 27. I'm going to have to do the math. Um, (laughs) So excuse that. But I was married, um, maybe I was 28. Um, We didn't necessarily start having kids or wanting to have kids back then right away, but we didn't exactly not want to have kids. So we weren't really doing anything to protect ourselves, but we weren't really like trying. I ended up getting pregnant probably about a little less than a year after we got married and I had a miscarriage about three days before my 30th birthday. So yes, I was 28 when I got married because I had my miscarriage right before I turned 30. So I was devastated, as you can probably imagine. It wasn't, I wasn't super far along, but not long enough to where we started. We've told, we told like a few people. Um, And then after that, we realized we really wanted to have kids. And so we kind of started taking it more seriously and started trying to no avail. I was not able to get pregnant again. And after about a year, we decided to seek some fertility support through a fertility clinic. And I went through a slew, a slew of tests. I mean, everything under the sun. And what was found out was that I had old eggs. And that's exactly what they told me. Your eggs are old which is amazing because I was 30, but supposedly I had the eggs of a 40 plus year old, which is crazy when you hear the rest of my story. Uh, So I did all these things. The doctor decided that we should go straight to IVF because of my egg quality. He didn't think that I'd be able to get pregnant on my own without intervention uh, in a lab. So we definitely started the journey pretty fast-tracked. We did a our first round of IVF. And IVF is something that, like marriage and children, is very like, I guess you can call it Hollywoodized. I thought I was going in there and they were going to take all these eggs out and I was going to get all these little embryos and I'd freeze some and I'd have my baby and then I could go back and unfreeze more and have more babies. And we quickly found out that that's not necessarily the way it goes. What ended up happening was that I didn't have very many eggs and the ones that I had were not very good quality. So we got the call that we had one embryo, one. We spent all this money, shot myself up with all these injectables 
and we came out with one embryo. And not only did we come out with one embryo, we came out with one not very good embryo. So in IVF at the time, I don't know how it is anymore, you want to transfer an embryo at day five, ideally. But if it isn't great and they don't think it'll be viable until day five, they transferred on day three. So we were a day three transfer and we went in there and we still had hope because, you know, we always had hope. But it was pretty much an utter failure. I did not get pregnant. So we were devastated and we decided, you know, we have to keep going. We're going to try it again. So we ended up doing two more rounds of IVF, each round worse than the first. So way less eggs, still terrible embryos. And after round three, I had secondary muscle spasms as a result of the egg retrieval, which is a surgery. And I was in so much pain that I looked at my husband and I just was like, I'm done. I can't do this. It felt like, the only way I can explain it, like little stabbing elves, like little elves with knives stabbing my entire body, just muscle spasms everywhere. And I saw my acupuncturist and it was awful. I felt terrible. Um, so we were, it was all failure and I decided I needed a break. So I took about six months off. Within that six months, I met a holistic nutritionist. It was somebody that a friend of mine had sent me to her, had sent me her info. And I thought, you know, at this point, I'll try anything. When you're going through fertility, if you're listening to this and you are going through fertility or have been through fertility, you totally understand what it means to try, like you'll try anything. If someone had told me you have to eat 65 bananas between the hours of 10 and 2, I probably would have done it. Like that's how that's how desperate you get. So I started seeing this holistic nutritionist and she was doing a PhD in women's fertility. So she was kind of a really good match for me. From the beginning, it's very it was very different, very eastern medicine, very woo-woo. She did muscle response testing. My husband called her my witch doctor. It was very new to me and very strange. But again, I didn't care. I was going to try absolutely anything. Ironically, I started feeling like someone finally was getting to the root of things. It wasn't to any surprise when she told me that the first system that was coming up was my reproductive system. Um, definitely not a surprise, but she uncovered some other things that she said I had. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but I know that I had some, I think it was aluminum buildup and just some, a bunch of stuff. So she put me on some supplements, some whole food supplements, some drops I had to put in my water, just a bunch of things. And she also started modifying my diet. And I thought to myself, Hey, I'm healthy. I eat, you know, a lot of veggies and fruit and, I, you know, low fat and I was healthy. I didn't, I worked out, I exercised, but this is my first time realizing that healthy depends on not only the person, but the stage in life that they are. And she just, she told me that I needed to take some stuff out. I needed to take out gluten, which this was back when I was 31 at this, at this point. And I, it was like, what I almost 12 years ago so gluten-free wasn't like as easy and as widespread as it is now so she's like you need to take out gluten she wanted me to take out dairy um, and soy those were the three main things um, she was still big in bone broth I did I ate meat back then um, 
you know, uh, I wasn't plant-based or mostly plant-based. We aren't 100% plant-based right now, but um, I wasn't mostly plant-based. I didn't really even think about it. I didn't know what it was, but she did take out gluten, dairy, and soy, and she had me eating um, mostly chicken and fish, avoiding some really, uh, a lot of red meat, but it wasn't easy. So Basically, I was eating a lot of Mexican food, corn tortillas, because there wasn't much else. Uh, Back then, the gluten-free bread was awful, and it wasn't worth it. The gluten-free pasta was okay. It wasn't as amazing as it is now, but basically what the options were were just brown rice pasta. But I adapted because I wanted to have a baby, so I was doing anything I could. So I did that, saw her for about six months, and... I was feeling a little bit, I was feeling different. I couldn't say at the time that I was feeling better because I wasn't really, I didn't really know if I felt bad. I just knew there was something wrong with me, but I I definitely was sleeping better. Um, I, I just felt different. And so I thought, you know, let's just try this one more time. We were going on a big trip with some friends and I decided I wanted to do it one more time before our trip. So my husband and I decided this is it. We're going to try round four of IVF. Oh, let me back up. In between rounds three and four, I did do some IUI treatments. I did three of them. Or maybe it was between one and two. I don't remember. Gosh, it's been so long. But I know I did some IUIs, which is different than IVF. They were not drug IUIs. They, I didn't have to do any injectables or anything. Um, I just pretty much they take your husband's sperm and like it's the turkey baster method really where they put it inside at a certain time so I did some of those and they you know they didn't work um I also had to uh a polyp removal surgery because I I found out I had polyps at one point so that was also something I, I did and a few other things that I can't totally remember right now but this was after all of that so we had done everything, three IUIs, surgeries, three IVFs, and finally we decided, all right, one more try. Let's try this again. I felt different. Something just was telling me, do it one more time. Well, lo and behold, my very first blood work, I went in there, I got all my um, dr- my drugs and whatever, and when you're going through IVF, at least when I did it, is you started the injectables and you go in every other day and you get blood work done so that they can track your hormone levels, and they also measured your eggs, um, your egg to see how big they are, and they looked at how many sacs you had and all that kind of stuff. So I got a call that night, my very first blood trial from my doctor, and he said, something's different, and I will never forget it. He said, something is different. I can't put my finger on what it is, but this is different. And I just knew, I knew inside that whatever I had done has been made made a difference. So fast forward to my egg retrieval and we will never forget that I was, it's a surgery, so I was under. My husband said that my doctor came into the waiting room and told him that eggs were falling out of me. And he was absolutely blown away that if he didn't know me as a patient before, he would think that the files were mixed up because he hadn't seen this kind of transformation from somebody that had very few eggs, very low quality, to getting, I think I got that egg retrieval 16 eggs, whereas before I was getting between three and five. So I had more eggs in that one retrieval than I'd had total in every single one of my other 
IVFs. Basically, he had left me on the operating table. My husband was like, go back and get my wife. Um, And after the fact, we got a call and we had seven embryos. I was just over the moon. Like I couldn't even believe what was happening. And of those seven, we definitely had three or four that were very viable. Um, one, to, I think there was two of them that were the best. And for the very first time, we had a day five transfer. And I will not forget this moment. I don't remember all of my transfers, but I'll never forget this one. That you're in a dark room and basically you have like every scope and forceps and whatever inside of you. And you have an ultrasound machine and it's a dark room because when they bring your little embryo inside, it needs to be dark so that it's, um, I think it, the light ruins it. So it needs to be dark. So I remember we're sitting in there and the little embryo, they, they're like, okay, are we ready? And they bring it in a little, um, syringe, like they, um, a little tube that they put inside and they kind of squirt it and they set the tube into the perfect, what they call the prime real estate where you they want it to attach in your uterus and I remember seeing we decided to put two embryos in because my doctor would not put more than that in case I had had twins I could never have triplets he said you're too small it would be terrible for your health so he only put the first the best two embryos and I'll never forget that I saw you see these little balls of light and I saw the very first embryo come out of the catheter and shoot around the hairpin turn of my uterus and gently lay in what my doctor calls the perfect spot. We were all, we all kind of gasped because he said he'd never seen an embryo shoot out like that because the second embryo came out of the catheter, but just kind of fell. And that's what they mostly do. They just kind of fall out. And this one shot out and he looked at me and he said, that's going to be your baby. And I get chills still thinking about it. And it's interesting because that little embryo was Sam, my oldest child. And I only got pregnant with one. The second one did not stick. But to this day, Sam is the same way. He is a spitfire. He is quick. He is fast. He's very impulsive. (laughs) Um, He's super bright and smart. And he is that embryo from the time he was a cell. That thing shot out of that catheter like it was on a mission and it's so funny the entire team that was in there was just blown away and it's just the best story and I'll never forget it I have a picture of him as an embryo and you know people always ask me if I had to go through it again would I change it and as hard as it was my answer is no it's always no because going through that taught me so much it taught me so much about myself it taught me so much about what I can handle, taught me so much about motherhood. Um, Unless you've been through fertility, you really don't get the level of love and motherhood that you do when you've been through it. And it's not to diminish other mothers. All mothers get it. All mothers are amazing. But when you're a fertility mama, it's just different. It's different. It's not better. It's just different. And I'm so grateful that I was able to go through that experience. It brought my husband and I closer. Um, we were the parents. I was the annoying first-time mom that was just over the moon happy. I didn't think being a mom was hard. Um, I do now. <laughs> but back then, I was in such just such a dream world with my baby. And I didn't care that he woke up. My husband and I used to like fight to get up to see who would get him in the middle of the night. And 
this is annoying and on so many levels because so many people just struggle so hard with their first child. And I will tell you in a second when I did struggle, but when I first had my baby, I did not struggle. It was amazing and wonderful. And I was the happiest human on the planet. Um, it was, he was just such a joy and just the most amazing little guy. But one of the things that I learned is that you can't control things. And I was born a type A person. Most of you that know me know that I'm pretty type A. Um, I'm not, I wasn't born to be chill. But the journey of my change, I guess you can say, began with my fertility. It began with the fact that I realized in life things are going to happen and no matter what you do, you can't control them. You have to take a step back, give it some grace, and open your eyes and your mind to things that you didn't think that you would be into. So when I met my holistic nutritionist, it was something very different for me. Very, very, very different. Um, I wasn't used to that. My dad's a scientist. I wasn't used to the woo-woo. And I wasn't a yoga person. I wasn't, I just didn't believe in that stuff. And going through that opened up a door that I have fully stepped through. Well, I would say mostly. Maybe I have a toe out. But it has, it kind of laid a pathway for me that I think is still being built. Um, and I'll more of that later in other episodes. But this pathway started with my fertility journey and I am so 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 grateful so if you're going through it and you're listening to this right now know that it's it's your it's your journey this is what life has for you and it seems awful but when you look back I mean maybe not but I did when I looked back I realized that this was my journey this is part of who I am this is what started shaping me just because you are a certain way does not mean that you have to stay that way. And one of my biggest pet peeves right now is I have some old friends that I love dearly, but I feel like a lot of my old friends don't necessarily see me as I am now. They hold on to the story that they had of me before, my pre-fertility self. And not that I, that, that person's gone. It's definitely underlying in there, but that person is changing in a lot of ways. And I feel like I change all the time. So I want to tell you more about this change of my life and how I was born type A, but I'm striving to live a type B life. So stay tuned at episode two, and we will talk more about it because it is possible.